On today's Metal Loud podcast, we have a review of the new Florence and the Machine album, a new segment about albums turning 10 in 2018, and a must-hear interview with Lauren from the Grey Estates. Stay tuned! What's up everyone, Tom here from Metal Loud and welcome to the Metal Loud Podcast. Today we're going to start off with a review of the new Florence and the Machine album. Probably not an album I really uh, expected to talk about, but I gave it a listen and I was kind of hooked. I've not really been interested in Florence and the Machine uh, previous to that. I mean, I always feel like she's made good music. I just feel it's been a little bit overproduced for what the the sound was trying to go for. It felt a little bit uh, combative with itself, and for that reason I was never really the the biggest fan, not to say that I disliked Florence and the Machine, just that I probably wasn't as into them as a lot of people seem to be, and probably not into it as much as uh, I am to this album. Uh, the album is called High as Hope, and you can listen to it on any streaming media f- uh, format or buy it in stores, uh, or well, I should say uh, anywhere you can buy CDs still. Now, the album itself is definitely more stripped down and uh, bare compared to previous albums from Florence and the Machine. It still manages to maintain that kind of loud, in-your-face, bombastic styling uh, that she's had throughout the years. Her voice really kind of carries through and definitely uh, gives it a, a bit of an edge and kind of still, despite the stripped down nature of everything, kind of just gives it that that large and open feeling. There's a lot of ambient noise and ambient sounds that are kind of backing up uh, everything that's going through, like a, a large beat and drum, just kind of clicking noises that all work together just to form uh, a, a nice song. Um, overall, I think that she did a great job with this album. I think it's a, a definitely a must listen to. Um, I, I think you're probably going to hear it on the radio a little bit. It definitely has that radio friendly softness to it, but not necessarily in a bad way. I, I think it's uh, excellent work, and I think you should really give it a chance. It's uh, again Florence and the Machine, Highest Hope, uh, the newest album. Just definitely check that out. Now on to a little bit of uh, sad news that we've all seen coming, that's the death of Toys R Us. Now, uh, they announced this way back, I think in April, that the stores were closing, unfortunately. Uh, not due to low sales necessarily, but there was a, a bit of a behind-the-scenes action that they were bought out by, a, I believe it was an investment firm or, or some sort of uh, large company, and they decided to basically shutter the iconic brand and it looks like this week is going to kind of be the last of the stores uh, across the country. I'm sure some of them are probably going to kind of uh, just keep going as long as they can, but it, it looks like this week is kind of it, um, or last week I should say at this point. So there's been some images going around that are pretty sad. I mean, they're not official images or anything, like somebody in a Jeffrey costume standing in front of empty uh, empty aisles saying goodbye, things like that. And I kind of just wanted to, to talk about the, the 
brand itself and kind of through my childhood and it's it's kind of a weird thing to me because you know it's it's just a toy store and i mean there's been toy stores that have come and gone like uh kibi toys for instance was a big brand there's been a few other little ones that i, I remember as a kid but uh you know for the life of me can't remember the names of them um but you know toy stores have come and gone if you really think about it, it's a weird specialized thing just to sell kids toys i mean it's it's kind of strange that they've lasted this long especially when you there's toy aisles pretty big toy aisles toy aisles in walmarts and targets and you can go on amazon.com and, and you know there's other places you can get these toys and you're thinking about a store that just sells toys so you're not talking about impulse buying here you're talking about going in specifically to to get a toy and obviously it's the first place you're going to check if you're you know, giving a, a getting a gift for a kid or something, and you want to find a toy. Obviously, you're going to go to Toys R Us, but you know, it, it's kind of weird in the sense that it, they only well, I mean, they didn't only sell toys, but that was their big thing. Um, you know, obviously, they they sold few more things than toys. They sold generally stuff for kids, but and, and entertainment things. But it was just that it was a very specialized store and in that regard the fact that it was it's weird from a business standpoint but from a especially as a kid it was just this kind of wonderland and, and it really was and still is i mean i i feel like it, when they went through the redesigns back in the uh mid to late 90s um they kind of lost a bit of their charm that's kind of where i i felt like uh it didn't feel as big and open i mean back when i was a, a little kid uh in the early 90s it, it felt like the way they had it stacked was almost like warehouse like they had these huge huge aisles with these really tall shelves that just stretched back through the entire store and it just felt like this labyrinth and this this giant warehouse almost and i don't think it was just because i was a little kid because i was still kind of little when they went through the uh when they went through the redesign, I wasn't exactly a, a older kid. Well, I mean, I was a bit older, but I was still a, a young kid. I mean, it wasn't just a, a size perspective thing. Um, but it just felt so much larger and, and just so much more to explore. And I just remember the you know aisles and aisles of well, aisles of, of Legos and aisles of the Star Wars toys that I loved and GI Joe and all that. And just I remember plotting a path around it. I'm figuring out exactly where everything was. I remember watching that that show or commercial thing where they would go and have kids just uh, get like a minute or two, or whatever it was, five, ten minutes to go through the store and grab whatever they want. I remember just planning out exactly where I would go and exactly what I would do to get the, the most value out of things and, and what I would want to grab. And, you know, I'm obviously sure I'm not the only one who did that, but it was just, it, it really... You know, the cult toys are also iconic is probably just putting it lightly. I mean, it really was uh, a, a lot of people's, uh, you know, childhood. And I understand that that's privileged to, to say that um, in that regard, because obviously not everyone had the, the, uh, again, the, the privileges that I did as a, a you know, middle class kid growing up. You know, my parents obviously were well off enough to be able to, to buy toys um, for me when they could. But. I still feel like it was a generally shared experience um, with people across the, you know, across the country, probably across the world, um, as far as going into Toys R Us, and it's kind of sad to see it go, because it is part of my childhood. I mean, I get it from, again, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially in this online retail world, but it just, it's still kind of... Um, 
it feels like losing a friend in a lot of ways and just a weird way a friend maybe I haven't seen in a long time but it's still just isn't interesting I know I'm kind of dwelling on this a little bit you probably want to really want to hear about this but I, I just felt like it was important to talk about and uh, kind of give give something to talk about um, on the show today so that's just what I wanted to mention um, you know the, unfortunately the iconic brand of Toys R Us is no more and you know it's possible that they may come back in some form a lot of times it's happened especially with a lot of nostalgic things that people have kind of been enraged about um you know i'm i mean things like blockbuster obviously haven't really resurged even though they've tried but something like this very well may be bought by somebody else and and started again who knows um but for now toys r us is no longer so I want to introduce a new segment on the show uh, starting today and hopefully carrying on each episode for the foreseeable 2018. I'm going to be going over a uh, list of albums that are turning 10 in 2018, meaning they released in 2008 in case you don't want to do the math. Now, I normally would make a video of this countdown and, and put it up there, but I really have been pressed for time, which is kind of why I've been... Uh, lacks in the release of even these episodes and the videos if, if you haven't noticed uh, fortunately I don't get a lot of time and traveling a lot and it's it sometimes gets a little bit difficult so I wanted to do something and I figured this would kind of be a good way to uh, talk about some of the uh, really iconic albums that were released in 2008 that are have lasted over a decade and kind of had a widespread influence on uh, a lot of music today. So to start things off, we're going to be talking about a pretty big one, and that's Bring Me the Horizon's Suicide Seasons. Now, this album really took a long time for me to warm up to. I did not like it when it released. I did not like it for the longest time. I still am not the biggest fan of the album. I feel it's probably not their weakest, but I feel it's actually one of their weaker albums. Uh, and I'll get to that for why I feel that way in a little bit, because there's a lot of strong points to the album that I've kind of come around to see that I, I do kind of enjoy. Uh, I mean, the, the song they released, probably their most famous song, uh, especially off of the album called The Chelsea Smile, is basically a perfect kind of anthem. It's a great uh, kind of just party song um it's kind of just wild to listen to the song football season is over is just completely nonsensical and uh completely just unrelenting and in your face it's kind of great the band even kind of dipped their toes into more like somber meaningful songs like the uh the sadness will never end for instance kind of a sign of things to come with that song it's probably one of my favorite songs off of the album i really like what they what they did with it now as far as what i'm not a huge fan of kind of what took me a long time to uh, come around to this album is that a lot of the songs sound the same especially with the guitar tone it's got that same kind of chugging riff and it might be rearranged a little bit but it really sounds the same throughout a lot of these songs kind of blend into one another and kind of just get lost uh, in, in, in each other so i really think that they they didn't really do much to stand out in that regard i think they didn't really kind of try or push themselves um you know and it 
I just think that that's kind of what what led me to kind of dismiss this album. Is it just it sounded just kind of chugging riffs? It was boring to me, and generally speaking, um, but I've come around to it. The album is a lot of fun. Uh, I think they did, they did actually kind of show some signs of what was to come, and we're kind of shedding a, a little bit of what they were what they did with their first album and their first kind of uh, EPs and tracks that they released, which was just that kind of. Uh, juvenile deathcore sound that was going uh that they were doing and i like their first album i i uh i i do kind of like it i'd have to admit i do actually like it a little bit better than than this album although it does suffer from a lot of the same issue in terms of the sameness but i think this is an overall improvement in uh the technical ability in the vocal ability and as well as the the production of the album a lot of improvements to this album um you know i i just think that there's a few things that kind of hold it back however it does definitely deserve its place in reckon uh recognizing it especially you know turning 10 years old this year uh, and I think it really has had a huge influence on a lot of bands and a, and a lot of metalcore bands in the scene even today. So I, I really think it's worth recognizing it, and it's uh, definitely an album that really has grown on me. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, the interview with Lauren from The Grey Estates. <laughs> All right, so I have Lauren uh, from the website Gray Estates with us today. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So for people out there, um, what is the Gray Estates? Um, It's a music blog, but I kind of like refer to it as like a music blog that's cute and likes the color purple. It's it's definitely accurate. The site... uh, so it's a very, very purple, very kind of clean, and um, it's, it's got a nice feel to it, I would say. Mm. Um, how, how long have you been doing the website for and, and things? Um, I think, I always forget, but I think we've been doing it probably since um, like the spring of 2013. And, and what made you like kind of want to start doing that or get into that? Um. At the time, I had been writing for some other places, but uh, I think, like, a a lot of what people covered was kind of, like, dictated by ads or what would, like, be popular and get clicks, and um, it wasn't, like, a lot of focus on, um, like, lesser-known artists that maybe didn't have the budget for PR or didn't know, like, how to reach out to people. Um, so I had had like journalism experience and, um, I wanted to give like myself a voice as a female. Um, so I just decided to see like if the experience that I had would help me. And so I just started it and it's kind of gone from there. And do do you have, uh, I mean, how do you have contributors? How do you work the site as far as, uh, getting articles and stuff up there? Um, usually most of it, like, I'll do, but we also have, um, like, ever since we started over the last couple of years, we've had, like, contributors on and off. We've had some more steady ones, um, recently who help out a ton, um, with doing, like, write-ups and they'll pitch stuff. And then we also have some photographers, too. So, it, we have a pretty, 
varied staff. I think um, they're kind of spread all over the U.S. What's your your favorite kind of um, article to do? Do you like reviews? Do you like interviews, show stuff? What What's your favorite? Hmm. I think I, I've really gotten into interviews more just because I think it like, gives you an opportunity to ask artists really personal questions, but then also really fun questions like I ask like asking um like what their favorite sandwich is or like what their dream merch item is um so that's been kind of fun to like get to know them as a person and um but also I like doing reviews um I don't like doing really long ones just because sometimes I think I don't always have all the words necessary to like perfectly capture um someone's album as as eloquently as I want to. Like, sometimes I feel like music is just, it's so good that I'm like, I don't know that I'm, like, worthy to write about this. Um, But I think probably interviews, I think, have become my favorite thing. Uh, Do you, I see you work with, like, a lot of uh, different labels, it seems. Do you have, like, a favorite label to work with? Oh, wow. Um, Probably Tiny Engines, just because, like, Maybe it was two years ago or like a year ago. Um, I told Will that I had like always dreamed of talking to Augusta from uh, Cayetana. And he put that all together for me and has always been like really receptive to um, helping me interview his artists and just like, like letting us premiere stuff and share stuff. Um, But I also really like, like Hardly Art and um, Father Daughter Records and Don Giovanni. And I think there's a lot of really great like DIY and like smaller labels and just labels in general out there that I like working with all of them. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite artist that you like working with or um, anything like that? Hmm. Artist. Um, well, just recently we did um it hasn't it'll be like on the site this this coming week but we've gotten to do some stuff with um illuminati hotties and they did a really cool like interview with um their friend and another artist blush that we're gonna share um i don't know what other ones i've always really liked working with leggy um they're really fun and nice um, but most artists are pretty good. Like, I feel like the ones that don't have, um, like a PR, they're just as passionate about like what they're doing as, as we are about writing it. So it kind of works out getting to like work with them. All right. Uh, do you, um, so what, one thing that's kind of important in the, the industry is kind of, uh, and I see you kind of pushing as well is, is being inclusive of, of everyone, um, what would you say from like a press standpoint that can be done better to make things a bit more um, inclusive? I think like it's, it's a ongoing thing and it's part of why I started like the site when I did just because I think there's such a tendency to like reduce um, someone's music to just like their gender. Um, just like in the way that we just like, that they describe things or um, the way things are written or talked about. And I think one of the things that, like, 
I really wanted to do is like break down that. I feel like there's always this surprise element um, when someone who's not a man makes like this rock music that is like amazing or really good. And people have a tendency to like, um, I don't know, like just the way they talk about it or they write about it. Like I feel it's really, it can be sexist. Um, so I think just being more accepting of others work and just writing about it like in an equal terms. Um, I've had like discussions about this on Twitter, whether the term um, like female fronted is appropriate because you, you don't really use the term like male fronted. Um, so I, and I'm learning too, like even terms that like I thought were appropriate, like some artists don't like the word songstress. Um, and just the way like things are written and described. Um, and I think our site and, and like all sites can definitely always do a better job of highlighting artists that, that aren't white. Um, you know, so I think it's just being aware of what's out there and, and giving everyone that like that comes into your inbox or that you stumble upon, like giving them an equal platform. Um, I think that's, that's something I'd love to like. It's hard because it's just me for the most part that does this site, but that's something like even I'm always trying to do a better job of. Um, but I think it's getting better. Um, but I think more work can always be done to like include others. Definitely. So speaking of the inbox, um, how do you how do you cope with all the emails that kind of flood in, and what what's your process? Uh, um. I, this is really terrible, but, like, when I first started, I would just mark everything as spam, um, just because, like, at the time, I had no idea how many people would, like, end up emailing um, the Gray Estate. And, like, for me, I was still working a full-time job. Like, now I'm freelance, so it's easier, but, like, a lot of times I was like, I cannot get through these all. Um, so now I try to get to most of them. Like, some of them... Like, if they describe themselves as, like, electronic dance music or, you know, like, they say they sound like Creed, uh, that's, like, something I'm, I know I'm, like, oh, I'm probably not going to like that. Uh, but, like, I try to get to, to most of them. I can't respond to everyone, especially when some people, like, I don't, I'm not sure, like, what, what they want, like, or what they're asking for. Like, people say, I released this album, like, 10 years ago. Can you review it? And I'd love to do that, but there's so much, like, other more current stuff. Um, I still think I don't have, like, a good handle on it, but I try. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it definitely gets overwhelming um, sometimes uh, to deal with those. Um, so w do you have, like, a, a favorite um, show that you've seen? Like, bands, live, or anything? Um... I know not everybody likes them, but my favorite band is Radiohead, and I saw them on their In Rainbows tour. That was, like, back in, like, 2000-something, but that's, like, been my eternal favorite. Um, and, like, more recently, probably one of the last shows I went to was the Coat Hangers. Um, I just, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't like going to shows as much anymore just because... <laughs> Like, I'm old. I'm not old. Like, I'm 29. But I'm, like... Like, I, I go out, and I'm, like, I'm ready for bed at, like, 9. Um, 
And it's just like, I just don't have it in me anymore. Especially when they're like four or five bands. <laughs> and like, it starts so late and um, I need to get out to shows more. But I just, eh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, what, what, so where are you hoping to go with the Gray Estates? Like, what are your plans to kind of evolve the site? Um, I don't, like, I'd love for it to get bigger. Um, and like for it to reach more people, I'm always trying to come up to with like new ideas for features or like new ways of covering things or just things that I think would be a good idea. Um, I, I just love, I mean, I'm always surprised like every day that like where it is now and like who's reading it. Um, so I think just to be able to continue what we're doing and like reach more people would be great. Um, but yeah, if I could come up with like more cool features, that would be good too. But that usually takes like a lot of coffee and some like thinking time. Um, but yeah, I think just, I don't know, getting bigger would be cool, but not like so big that my email inbox is like even worse, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh. So, a couple desert island questions. Sure. If you if you knew you were gonna crash on a desert island, what's one item you would bring? You can't bring anything else; just a single item. Um, probably my Prozac, because I feel like if I had that, I would I could get through anything. But like without it, I'd be like, I think I'd like the first day on the on the desert island, I'd be like trying to get into the ocean and swim away. <laughs> um so let's say you're you're on the island now um what would be one food item that you would you would have Hmm. well i don't know if it counts as a food item but if i had dunkin donuts iced coffee like i could be set (laughs) But, but if iced coffee doesn't count then maybe like um I would say chicken nuggets, but I'd have to figure out how to cook them. So maybe just cookies. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. Um, and and for for music, what would be your desert island album? <laughs> Probably the Killers' Hot Fuss because I feel like I've listened to that so many times since it like originally came out, and every time I'm still like, this is the greatest album ever. Um, I don't think I'd get tired of it. But I, I probably would after, like, being on a desert island with it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what, and, and within that line, like, what, what would you say your favorite food is just in, in general? Uh, hmm. Besides Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Well, it depends on the day. Maybe either spaghetti or all garden breadsticks or chicken nuggets <laughs> depending on the mood yeah yeah you have to be like in the mood to eat breadsticks at all garden like if you're not hungry it's not you're not gonna enjoy it that's true yeah do you uh do you cook at all or do you just kind of eat out um i definitely prefer eating out i'm not good at cooking like if it's a frozen waffle i'm great at that but like general cooking i'm like oh 
I just, it just takes so much time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, what would you say your, your best talent is, um, aside from writing, you know, and creating this amazing blog, um, what would you say like your, your greatest talent outside of that is? Oh boy. Hmm. That's, that's the thing because everybody always asks like if you weren't a journalist like what would you be and like I was terrible at history and math and science um, I've only ever liked writing but um, I'm really skilled <laughs> maybe at like <laughs> finishing a Netflix series <laughs> like in a really quick time or I know a lot about um, like like teen dramas and just what the teens like <laughs> like if you need to know what the what the teens are into or like I write about it like every day and I know um, I, don't know, I don't know if that's a good thing but <laughs> so so either a Netflix uh, one of those people like Netflix hires to watch all their stuff and review them or, or uh, write summaries or like teen outreach yes oh my gosh I need you to be like you should be like my PR person. You said that's so good. <laughs> so we got that line lined up for you. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm gonna tell people that like I'm I'm in teen outreach. <laughs> perfect. Uh, what, so what what it would be your like favorite thing to watch on Netflix or favorite TV show? Uh, well, my favorite TV show ever is the OC. But I feel like I'm like everyone else when I watch Netflix and I, I really get into their um, true crime stuff. And like, because I always think I'm going to solve the mystery like before the last episode airs. But usually I don't. Or The Office. You can't go wrong. Okay. What's your, uh, what's your favorite opening for The Office? Oh, um, you know, it's probably the stapler in the Jello. That's just like, that's classic. Not not uh, not fire drill. Oh wait, that is a good one too. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. That's hard. <laughs> oh. I really like. It's not the opening too, but I like that. Um, that CPR episode. Like I could watch that like every day, and I'd never not laugh. That's uh, that's fire drill. Oh, is it? Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it's the same, same episode. <laughs> okay. See? I need you as like my PR person. <laughs> okay, that's my new favorite episode. That, that one. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what what would so about uh, movies? Like, what would be your your favorite movie? Oh wow, um, this is like a terrible answer, but probably The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I've never been much like of a movie viewer just because, I don't know, I feel like my attention span isn't long enough. Um, but yeah, I, I love The Parent Trap of Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. <laughs> nice. uh, if you, if you were hired to write like a, a TV show or a TV episode, what would be the genre and what do you think it would be about? Oh, it would no question. You know, maybe it'd be like a modern day remake of like, like the OC um, and maybe about a kid who blogged and was just, you know, trying to make his way in the world. <laughs> um, but I did like on the OC, they always had like 
those artists like Death Cab and Modest Mouse come on and perform. So if I could write a show where like I could have my own concert venue and like invite my favorite bands on, um, that would be great. Or maybe even like my own version of Austin City Limits. <laughs> <laughs> Do you plan on doing anything uh, or more video related stuff for the Gray Estates or anything like that? I'd like to. Um, eventually, I think that'd be like a really cool thing to do. Um, I can't do it because I, I failed the video class in college, <laughs> but it, definitely I'd love to because I love like session videos and just, um, I like video interviews and, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, um. So is there anything else that you wanted to uh, to say? No, just that this is probably the most fun I've ever had on a podcast interview. No jokes. It was cool. <laughs> I appreciate that. I didn't try. Uh, no, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you so much to Lauren from the Gray State for coming on the Metal Loud podcast with that interview. It's probably some of the uh, most fun I've had uh, so far. Um, definitely a huge shout out to her for for making time and kind of coming on here. Just a few things here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting it. Make sure you are following me on social media sites on Twitter at Metal Loud, on Instagram, Metal underscore Loud, on Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash Metal Loud. And I really appreciate it if you, uh, if you have the ability. I do have a Patreon and I could use the support. It unfortunately is not free to produce this and to make the videos I do. Uh, I kind of just do what I do, and I hate it, but, you know, I, I kind of need to ask for uh, your money. So if you if you like what I do and want to support me, I do have a Patreon up. It's uh, patreon.com slash metalloud. I greatly appreciate anything you can contribute. It helps me make sure that I can keep this going and keep pushing out the content and just, uh, you know, overall just, just make things happen. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Metal Loud podcast.